Should I introduce, just for fun, you probably always introduce your guests. Should I introduce you? Yeah, you want to introduce me? Yeah, I mean, just based okay. on visual, maybe, because I'm assuming you're not currently a big fan of the show. Rachel's super flexible. Right, right, um, I am. She, okay, we have a weird connection that I'll say once we've really started. Uh, I mean, we're really starting. This I'm, is the start. I'm ready for this weird right, connection. Right. I've accidentally put out a book like every year on the same day that you put out a book. No way. <laughs> now, different genres for Right. Sure. I mean, I wish um, they were the same genre. You could offer a lot to the category, uh, I feel like. Uh, I'm already getting crushed by you quite enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> with your, uh, your mega hit books that drop every... I don't know how it happened. How funny. Every one of your books comes out. I know. I'm in the wake of every one of your okay. books. Okay. Well, I will. I'm about yeah. to finish the next one. I'll be sure and check in with you on... What day is... What, what day is that coming it out? It doesn't have a release date yet, but I promise you're the okay. first person I'm calling. I'm absolutely not going to put a book out that day. Great. Check. We have a plan. Note to sell. We have a good plan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Where does this conversation find you today? Are you at a... Yeah, I'm at the... Um, no, this is my art. Okay, I... I honestly, I was like, you're about to talk shit, and if this is like his bedroom, you're going to feel real bad. Wouldn't that be funny, though, if I was like one of those weirdos that's like, this is where I... This is my lair. Where I, no, I'm in I the... Do. I'm at the W Hotel in... Um, Let's get real specific. I'm at the yeah. W Hotel in Union Square, New York City. Great, great. And where yeah. do you live, I mean, when you're normally in your lair? This is a, so I have a couple of layers. Um, You've worked a, hard. A, a kind of I mean, weird, come on. Kind of a weird thing happened about where you're in, where are you? I'm Texas? based in Austin. Yes. Mm -hmm. I go back and forth to LA quite a bit though. Okay. So I, I do a sort of a similar thing. Did you move to Austin like right when COVID happened and everything was weird? Uh, before. Like, I like to think that I was before? the first. Yeah. So I was a couple years before COVID. You're the happened. first person to move mm -hmm. to Austin? I was the mm -hmm. wave. Yep. Mm -hmm. I started mm -hmm. a wagon train and came. It was, this is going to be awkward, but since you don't pay state income taxes, could I have that money from yes. you now? Yeah. I'll write you a check. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I know, to make up for the whole I know how well thing. the books have done. Yeah. I know how well the books have done. Yeah. <laughs> so right around. <laughs> right around. The beginning of the world getting super weird in like 2020, mm -hmm. something like that. Yep. Like that early 2020. Um, we bought a house, my wife and son and uh, I, well, they didn't buy, they, my son didn't buy it. They came along for the ride. No, he's more riding my coattails for yeah. sure. But we bought a house in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So I mostly live. No. What, what caused that choice? Not, I mean, all the love to Wisconsin. Of course, but it does seem like a weird decision in some ways. Yes, I mean. So this the secret is I grew up in Chicago. Okay. So uh, it's actually about, we live in Wisconsin, but just barely across the border. We're like 90 minutes from downtown Chicago. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. If you put a gun to mm -hmm. my head, because I'm really mm -hmm. bad at geography, I couldn't have told you that Wisconsin, Where Wisconsin bordered is. Illinois, like zero you idea. Could, of course you could have. No, <clears throat> no not many, many hit books. You, I, of course you knew I'm that. I'm horrible at geography. Literally, if you were like, to save the life of your family, tell me the states that draw. we're all going to heaven tonight. We're all going. You know it's in the, you know it's in the Midwest, right? It, I mean, you know that. In my brain, Wisconsin is right. by Michigan and Minnesota. Is it not? This is absolutely. You're totally right. No, okay. no, no. You, you, you pull that. 
you pulled that out. Um, we touched the upper peninsula of Michigan. Got it. Or you have to take a boat to Michigan. Okay. And then Minneapolis is what we would consider the far north. Got it. To the, like the northwest of us. And when you yeah, guys bought this place in Wisconsin, did you go like full hobby farm? Are you oh, in a city? Like, no, what's we your don't mind? have like, we don't have like livestock and stuff. Okay. No, it's more of a, it's like a, like a summer lake. Okay. <laughs> did you say cheese? Cake? I did. I was just trying to go with the only yeah, other thing did. I knew about Wisconsin. We do. Obviously we pick our own cheeses. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh, we, we hide them. We hide them underground in the fall. Yeah. And then come spring, right. we go out and see if we can remember where to pick our cheeses out of. Um, and it's been a really amazing time. But no, it's interesting to live. How do you like living in Texas as compared to living in Los Angeles, California? I, they're very different vibes. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. I first moved to Austin, I absolutely loved it because mm-hmm. it felt like... LA, like I could go into the city proper and kind of have a, a vibe, mm-hmm. like a sort of LA vibe, artistic, funky moment. Mm-hmm. But to be totally honest with you, the more uh, time has gone on, the more Texas Austin has become. I'm trying to I understand speak in code. Um, and Are we so, speaking in code? Yeah, or are we just, yeah we're just straight yeah. up saying that there's a lot of uh, interesting people out here in the country. And For that's sure. not my favorite part. And that's getting, right. it feels like it's getting a bit worse the more time mm-hmm. that goes on. Uh, do you enjoy being, you got you got way more famous as soon as you moved from Los Angeles. To, yeah. Yes, I did. Right? Not right? on purpose. Like, I just, those well, two things. I mean, like in L.A., everybody's in L.A. And you're right. And you're like, oh. Yeah, you're like, yeah. I, she wrote a book, but that person won an Oscar, so we don't care about her. Yeah, the bar is really, really too weird in L.A. <laughs> right. right. But you get down to Austin, Texas, you could be, be a pretty much bigger fish. Yeah, I mean. Like, nice thing about Wisconsin, yeah. Yeah. I'm the second most famous person in the state. Who's the first? The quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, for sure. Oh, man. Yeah. I feel so proud you of myself. Knew, you knew who that was. I didn't know yeah. who he was. And is it, <laughs> is it the Packers? You would have sense. Is it the Packers? Oh, you are crushing it. Okay. It's the, man, it's, okay. We actually, their full name is the Wisconsin Cheese Pickers, but we abbreviate it to yeah. Packers. Yeah, okay. Okay, great. Yeah. I love that. Um, now, if he leaves the Packers next year, it's fun for me because then I'm the most famous person in Wisconsin. That's a big, that's oh, a that's big so role for awesome. you. Are oh, you a, are you a football? Fantastic. Are you like into football? Did that play into your choice of not really, location? I'm not a sports okay. guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What what kind I mean, of guy you, are you? I'm a bit of a dandy. I mean, come on, you know, like I'm like three novels in. Honestly, people don't use the yeah. term dandy enough. I really appreciate well, that you're bringing that one. back. Having you personally got one. I mean, I read... Like, I play a four-string banjo. Yeah. I'm sorry. You say that... I play a four-string time. banjo. I play, <laughs> I play I a tenor banjo. This. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been doing yeah. that? Uh, let's see. You know, I grew up, not to dandify myself too much. <laughs> oh. I've read 1,000 historical romance novels, and so anytime a word comes out from one of those books, I feel real excited. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a dandy. Uh, so I grew up playing the cello. You just get cooler as the conversation rolls along. Do I? <laughs> Do I? Um, I will, can you just paint a picture for us? As a former, mm-hmm. I was in band from fourth grade up into high school. So we are in What's the instrument? What clarinet. instrument? Clarinet and not even okay. good clarinet, but like mm-hmm. 10th chair clarinet. So, you know, but I was in it and I wore a cummerbund and I was in both orchestra and marching band. Good clarinet is like Woody Allen level, right? I don't, you know, there was always these always two got, people, first and second chair clarinets that were, you know, really worked on it. And I, I was not that what cool. chair? What chair clarinet are you? What tenth? chair clarinet were you? 10th. It's pretty oh bad. Oh my gosh. You're I think ready? there were 11 you chairs. Were, you're looking at. 11 cello number 11. No you're not. They didn't have a they didn't have a worse seat. I'm the 11th seat cello player for and, uh okay. my junior high school. And how 11. long did you do that? How long did you roll? Uh, long enough cello? that you think I would have been better. I should have been better. 
Why did you, but like for real, why did you stay in, why did you stay playing music as a kid? They just made me. It was inside. I was sitting down. I switched from violin to cello so I could sit down. That's how lazy I was. Wait, your violinist had to stand? During practice, if you practiced violin, they used to make us, they would make you stand. So I did that one time. Yeah, to show you how lazy I am. The next week I was like, can I do the the one where you sit down? Yeah, you sit down. Um, I support that for you. The only people who Mm -hmm. stood in our musical programs played the drums, which by the way, was the move. Like to be the drummer, Mm -hmm. those were the Mm -hmm. coolest kids in the music program, which wasn't saying much, but still. Like if I could go back in time, I would have, you know, this you're on break if you're those, those big cymbals or the big kettle drum you're on break most of the song barely have to work you're almost always on break but yeah. when you gotta go you better hit your one note if you if you uh if someone handed you a clarinet right now like look do it could you do it i you could, could do i could do something mm-hmm. it would maybe sound like i was killing a clarinet but Mm-hmm. I could make sound come out of it. I like to think I could just pick up where I left off, but it's yeah. been it's been a long time. Our orchestra teacher was used to be allowed to. I don't know if she wasn't allowed to. Wasn't allowed to, but she would throw her baton like at our face. That feels how those are sharp mm-hmm. at one end. That feels like you're going to shoot someone's eye. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> it could have. We definitely could have lost an eyeball. But in the olden days, no one cared. If you were at school. No one cared what you thought. Free child you were care. A kid at school. That's what was happening. Yeah. 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 No one cared and no one checked on like, hey, are they being nice to you at school? No one cared. <laughs> cared they're it's being so nice true. to us at school. I had a high school history teacher who literally every single day of class, every single day, we just watched movies. That's it. That, he didn't even that. try. He was a he just he was, had a hangover. Yeah, he was the he volleyball coach. He was there for volleyball, but you had to teach a class. He did not care. And he just picked movies that were historical in nature. And so we watched a lot of Charlton Heston. And that was our history <laughs> program. I swear. Did you have to do the weird stuff we have we used to have to do in high school? Everybody would everyone would be sent off to jail these days. They used to we used to have to put on like so we had swimming in the morning. Did you guys have swimming? No, we were not. A, you you were not. apparently at a rich kid's school. You had water uh, in the ground. I went to a place called Oak Park River Forest. That it was, it was sounds a big fancy. Oak Park. That sounds fancy. Okay, it does sound fancy, but <laughs> but so here's what we would do. Here is the morning plan at Oak yeah. Park River Forest. Give us a morning routine. It's you know outside Chicago, so in the winter it's you know it's like minus ten degrees. When you get there, it's like 8.15 in the morning. You would take off all of your clothes, <laughs> you go to the, the gym area where the pool was, and you would have to get completely naked and then go collect a Speedo from a bin, like of fresh Speedos that they had washed, <laughs> I'm doing air quotes, uh, you know, for you the next day. And you would do this every day, but you had to basically do sort of like a weird promenade, just like nude. <laughs> What age are you? We're all, we're high school. Oh, wow. It's like, couldn't be weirder. Yes. And then there's also like four guys who just, who were back from the uh, Korean War would kind of watch you put on your Speedo. And then also you had to turn your Speedo in at the end. And for some reason, you didn't get to just turn it in where your towel was. You had to like turn it in and then like do two corners around the pool to where the towel guy was, who was called Tom the Towel Guy. Obviously, this, this sounds was shady AF. Like, have you ever I been like, was that, that really the rule or? It can't have been. It cannot have been. There's like, this... if anyone said like, what are you guys doing with the fellas down by the pool every morning? It's like, great, here's what they do. Mm-hmm. They do a quarter mile, yeah. just boners out. Yeah. And then we let them do. <laughs> and then they got to work their way back around. It was no one was checking. Again, no one was checking on us. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. 
No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Can we also question why Mm -hmm. we couldn't at least assign a Speedo for the season? We couldn't just like hook you up with your own Speedo that you you turn it back in even. I feel like in this era, you would either have to bring, and I feel like it could be like someone could say, like, you could bring trunks if you wanted to. Yeah, right. Yes. A, a, like a conservative set of trunks. You don't have to wear the tiniest, thinnest spandex weird speedo that has been in this school for a decade. Yes, yes. Also, yeah. though, I feel like you guys were doing sort of cold immersion therapy long before the rest of us had oh, ever thought I- of it. I was probably in really amazing shape, which is probably why it was the best time to ever parade around in front of a bunch of old guys from the, the Korean War. <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that they didn't make us play hopscotch to get to the town. Right. They're naked, like, here's an like, obstacle course. That would have been course. the only like yeah. weirder thing right. that could have happened. Right. Yeah. And when did the banjo come into play in, in this life <laughs> that you're living? Like we, we had the cello. It's getting better because now we're like, on the what, swim team. Doing your show is more like talking to my psychiatrist, Dr. Superman, than I expected it to be. Great. I love that for us. Yeah. A lot of stuff's coming out. So I was an awful cello player, as we've covered. Chair 11. Um, and then, but like, there was a weird detail that I accidentally did like a Mr. Miyagi thing. You know, like how you learn something that you didn't mean to learn. Right, right. So my weird Uncle Jimmy... Uh, my mother's brother, who used to live in the basement, <laughs> Jimmy, who was uh, <clears throat> a real, used to drink like a, a, a handle jug of vodka every day and stuff oh, like that. Bless. Yeah. At one point, uh, sweet, sweet Uncle Jimmy gave me his old banjo. <clears throat> and it was a tenor banjo, which is only four strings. And it turns out it's the same tuning as a cello. So accidentally, all those awful years of getting things thrown at my face by Mrs. Hunter, I was accidentally training to play the tenor banjo. That's so cool. So as soon as I weird, yeah, it went, is it that cool? I do. I think it's very cool. So I'm a huge oh, music that. nerd, and I have been trying to teach myself to play guitar for two years or 40 years, depending on how you want to look at it. And I admire anyone. What, what kind of guitar do you have? I have all kinds of guitars. Um, do you mean the brand, or what do you mean? You have... Do you have more than, say, 10 guitars? No, no. I have five guitars. Very good. That's yeah. a very good start. Yes, thank you. I think I have about 20. Guitars or banjos? Guitars. Oh, wow. Probably about 20. Okay, so maybe, you do... slightly more. Did banjo lead you to guitar? No, they're unrelated. I At one point when I was really sad in high school... Again, this is a great therapy session. Yeah, so I got I'm, real, I'm glad. Real yeah, you'll save money this week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I still have to see Dr. Superman okay. for legal reasons. <laughs> to process, to, to process this. It's still, I got to talk through some of this shit, obviously now. Yeah. Um, so I was real sad one summer. Do you, do you remember, are you the age where you would remember like before the internet and stuff? Of course. I'm like, 40. Yeah. That is my age, but right. I 100% remember life before the internet. And I remember what a big deal yeah. it was when you got AOL dial up for the first time. 
Yeah, but we used to just like, you used to have to fill your time with every, all sorts of things. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah, there was like nothing, there was literally nothing to do. You couldn't just watch stupid 30 second, you know, Videos bites of and do everything. This well, all day, yeah, every day. Yep. I'm looking at Yorkshire Terriers and people twerking yep. all day long. Yep. Like somebody, sometimes both. In the same video, absolutely. In the same video, or a split screen or something. You know, they know what they know what you like when right. on social media. Right. So, um, there was a like a, a summer where I had nothing to do, but someone had I'd inherited somebody's old, really bad acoustic guitar, and I had a Beatles songbook that had the pictures of the chords. And because there was no internet, I just sat there, and I smoked cigarettes out the window, like blowing cigarettes out my childhood. Yeah, like window. a cool kid. Like a cool kid, like a cool dandy. Mm-hmm. 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 It's right around when I started wearing a lot of bow ties. You did not. You are a I, liar. Oh, I. You wore bow ties right now, in high school. <laughs> I wore bow ties in high school. Bless your heart. So How was that received? <laughs> it uh, like I look back on it thinking, boy, I thought I was really cool. That's incredible confidence, though. Yeah. It was so common. I, I, I'll tell you right now, I'm sure there are other people that can do this, but I can tie a, a, a regular bow tie without a mirror. Without a mirror. Whoa. I don't need okay. a mirror. All right. All right. I can, do it. I can close my eyes. This is real dandy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you're smoking cigarettes, wearing a bow tie. Smoking cigarettes. Teaching the window, yourself the guitar. Being sad. Being so sad. And learning the guitar, thinking, oh, I hope there's an internet one day because I'll never learn anything ever again. Other than these chords. Right. It's New York. I get um, it. So what, what do you mean when you say you've been trying for 40 years and you haven't? Well, I've been... Like, what's your, what's your most difficult level song that you can crush? I can't. That's the thing. So and I think it, I'm going about this the wrong way. To find? I wish that it was. How would you suggest oh, really I go about one. this? Because I feel like I'm doing it wrong. I've tried lessons. I didn't like that. Then I got an app and I've been using the app, but it, it doesn't teach you to play anything, but like, you're just like finger picking or whatever. You're oh, never playing you're, a song. You're noodling and doing scales and things. Yes. How's your chord work? Terrible. Bad. It's, yeah, it's See, terrible. This is, this the chords are key. Is that so what you should, you're telling me? Go backwards. Go, go back. Okay. And just work on some chords. Okay. And then the scales and stuff come later. Okay. But I'm going to work on that. Yeah. Learn the stuff like this. That's what no one wants to hear ever. Nobody wants to hear it. And how am I ever supposed to jam in a bar when the guitar's hand gets hurt and then they're like, quick, anyone who could jam with us? And I'm like, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. How am I ever going to get there if I cannot learn? I feel like everybody has that fantasy. I've had that fantasy where, like, yeah. I'm at a U2 show, and they're like, the edge just slipped into a coma. He can't. Does anyone have a beanie they can put on Does and the ability to shred? Old, old beanie and a bunch of, like, neck jewelry. Yes. And they do, like, 70 minutes of God. U2 songs. And I'm like, yes, the answer is yeah. yes, I can. Yes, I can. I'm ready to I don't go. Wish him, I don't wish the edge. Yeah, we build. don't want anything to happen to him, but, but like... Maybe unless there's a I'm right there, unless I'm standing like just outside the shop, being like, yes. I'm, "Put me in." Yes, I was. Uh, I was in Montana this last weekend, and I was sitting. Which in is, the... you know, what you seem to know where that is. I do. It's my first time there, to be honest. It's and north of Texas. North of Texas, and I yeah. couldn't have told you maybe what was on either side of it until I got there. So, were you in which part of Montana? I was in Big Sky, and then I went up of to course. Yellowstone yeah. for a day. Because you got to do Fun. that. You got to have that moment. But I was Fun. sitting in a bar and my favorite thing literally in the entire world is sitting in a bar and having some musician show up and do live acoustic covers. There's mm-hmm. nothing can make me happier. And there were these two men, Montana cowboys, who were mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. They weren't singing. They were just playing. And one I'm of them, picturing them both as Kevin Costner. Just They are. It is. It's the cast of Yellowstone, which is weird. <laughs> And uh, one of them was playing a mandolin and just oh, tight. crushing it. And I'm like, are you telling me right now that you've got a mandolin and no one's going to do R.E.M.? Like, this is your moment 
to bring that to us and no one's and it just I was like exactly and I felt like if only I had the ability to be like excuse me sir let me take over mandolin duties for a minute just just give me a second mandolin's tough it's got a lot of strings I bet yeah are you better at banjo Um, or guitar I'm way better at guitar I'm actually in I'm in a Smith's cover band no you're not I am that's so cool (laughs) remember Remember how I said I was a bit of a dandy and had yes. bow ties? Watch out, ladies. Okay. It gets more dandy Okay. What do you wear when you're on stage in this uh, scenario? Uh, this, you have to, we have to dress a sort of certain way. You have to look like you're in a Smith's cover band. Right. So I'm in a, a Smith's cover band called the Sweet and Tender Hooligans. And it's fun. This is something, by the way, if you want to get really good at guitar. Yeah. I do. Join a band and even better, join a cover band. Because you have to play the songs exactly the way they are, or people will get mad. Oh, good so, point. Like, it will make you. It'll make you learn. Like start a cover band. Okay. And I, that actually is a great mission it. for me. That's a really great. You'll mission. have to learn it. Yeah. You could do like a Liz Fair cover band. Oh, Liz Fair. What is um? When is your next show? You could are do you... a Liz Fair experience <laughs> called Fair Enough. <laughs> Oh man, I want well, to I'm think just, of some I'm just puns. Stuff out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just spitballing. Wait, when is your next show? Uh, you know, I'm I've been in uh, was picking cheese in Wisconsin mm-hmm, for a while, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure. I'll probably play with them again in the summer. Okay. When the, does this come out before the summer? It will, and honestly, I'm gonna oh. be front row. Yeah, I mean, unless it goes horribly awry, this should come out in the next that. couple weeks. Yeah. Um, why are you I in New York? What's going on in New York today? I'm in New York right now because I wrote a musical. Stop. I wrote, I I adapted a musical. Okay. Um, First of all, mm-hmm. I did not know this about you. It mm-hmm. is my goal in life to write a musical. That is literally Can why I, I am learning guitar. What I know right now from how well your books have done, skip it. <laughs> <laughs> No. Okay, wait. Tell no, no, us no, no, about no. the just, experience. Just, 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 it's cute. It was a cute idea. No, no, it's so fun. Um, so I've been writing this musical, you know, one of my favorite questions people always ask when you write a book is, how long did it take you to write a book? Right. Which is like the wor- dumbest question in the world. It means yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like the answer is always my whole life. <laughs> my whole life it took me to write this thing. I did the act of writing it down over six months. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. so theater but writing a musical i've been working on so this is the, it's the musical of trading places the old movie no and i've been writing yeah this is yeah. so cool it is it is so cool no it, it is 100 so cool it's cool so uh i've been writing on this musical for i would say about seven years okay and that's very normal so wait, did Very you normal. come up with a concept? Did people come to you and say, this should be a musical? Like, how did this come to be? People, this was someone came to us. They're like, um, I have the rights to this old movie. Do you think it could be done? And it was like, well, I actually don't know if it could be done. Um, the old movie is like, Remi- probably is not. Trading movie. Places is which Eddie one? Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Okay, okay. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, got it. And the old movie is a little not. Um, it's pretty un-PC. Right, it's not. Everything's problematic, yeah. Everything is problematic. (laughs) The old movie, yeah. Um, So this is a sort of reinvention of it. It's actually, the the lead is a a black woman played by Anissa Folds, who's a really brilliant woman. She's in uh, a rap improv show called Freestyle Love Supreme. And so it's just been, uh, it's, it, it's the same title and some of the same premise, but it's, it's really quite different. But, um, I mean, if you really are looking to fill your life, the mu- musical is the way to go. <laughs> you so, will finish nine more books before your musical comes out. <laughs> I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. 
And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. Did you executive produce it? Did you write it? Like what was, were you part of the whole? I'm writing the, yeah, the, basically the book. And then sometimes I write some of the lyrics, but uh, usually there's like people that do music and lyrics. And then I just do what's called book, which is like the play part of it. Got it. And had you ever written in this medium before? Never. I mean, I've definitely written film wise, probably like 13 movies, but that's a different. Okay. So so I very intentionally do not Google any guests. Like I know Mm -hmm. you based on face. I know some of the movies that you've done, but I am an asshole. I didn't know you were a writer (laughs) until right now. I know. I'm so, but I don't love you so much. But by the way, that what you're just, we're saying is that's a, is exactly what my life is like because people are like, Hey, aren't you Klaus from how I met your mother? And I'm like, yeah. And for the most part, people don't know the other aspect of that's my life. So cool. Which is that Wait, 13 movies. Some of them are terrible. Oh, I mean, clear. let's be very sure. Clear. Yeah. But still you can't have 13 movies made and not have many of them. Be, so I'll get, I'll, would you like me to give you a good one or a bad one first? I, let's, in any order, I'm here for all of this. Okay. Well, we'll start with a good one. So I, I, I wrote, I co-wrote Night at the Museum, for example. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. I, I hope I'm not offending so you fun. that I did not know that because... But why would you know that? Most people don't. Well, there's a they whole... They either like... know me from How I Met Your Mother. Right. Or they think I'm Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> That's real. Yeah, don't get too excited because then I also wrote, Rachel, a little movie called Herbie Fully Loaded. <laughs> I um I feel like not a joke. Was that that Disney did that one, right? 
That's a Disney picture with uh, with Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan. Lohan. And I know because Lohan, my yeah, first right. job mm-hmm. was uh, my first real job was working at Miramax around that time period. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh huh. Um, yep. We need to talk about. Right. I'm sure we talked about that. Right. Yeah. It's a. Uh, I mean, no wow. one who worked there, no one's surprised by that information. And by the way, <laughs> no one in Hollywood. Was I got yelled at by Bob Weinstein one time. Those Bob people. yelled at me one time. What what had so you done? Scary. What yeah, no, they Nothing. were <laughs> uh, well, I was trying to be upbeat. We had uh How so dare you. Museum, and then Ben Stiller asked us uh, by the guy I wrote with back then, um, to come in and do like a pretty big pass on the movie Starsky and Hutch. So we ended up like really dramatically rewriting that movie for a long time. And then it was really exciting, and we did a table read, you know, and it's like, it, it was crazy. It's Owen Wilson and Stiller. It's a big deal. Everybody's there. And um, my writing partner's named Robert Ben Garant. And at the end of the table read, which went incredible, it was like it went so well. I, I threw out, I said, like, oh, you know what? There's one little thing that we'll fix in the script later. And Bob Weinstein was like, which one are you? Lennon or Garant? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm Lennon. And I was like, why was that so mean? It was just like, so, I, I almost started crying. He yelled at me so hard. I was like, should I start crying? Should I start crying? I'm like, this will be gross. If I, it'll be sad if I start crying because Bob Weinstein yelled at me. <laughs> I have so many insider stories about that time period but my favorite one which is probably uh probably i'm not supposed to tell but oh well he's in prison is years uh, ago not, by the way so- oh no no that i'm gonna tell a harvey <laughs> no, other, story okay, i'm gonna tell harvey's yeah, story I think you're, i'll be honest i think you're fine yeah no one's gonna say anything about it years ago i was an assistant and um harvey had come out to texas because robert rodriguez oh was here and they were doing mm-hmm. all of these really successful movies together. And the story goes that um, Robert had just built a brand new facility in Austin and it mm-hmm. had like screening rooms and their offices and it was this huge thing. And uh, they all sat down to screen something in this, I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars. It had taken them years to build the space. And Harvey walks in smoking a cigarette because Harvey smoked. He Mm -hmm. lit one cigarette with another Mm -hmm. just constantly. Mm -hmm. And in fact, as an assistant, that's how you knew Harvey was in town was the entire office was filled with smoke. Yeah. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And uh, he sat down to, to watch it. And they had worked together for years. And Robert said to Harvey, Hey, uh, hey, this is just brand new. We just built it. Would you mind not smoking? And Harvey looked at him and took his cigarette and crushed it out on the leather chair and burned the chair and was like, I built this fucking theater. I'll fucking smoke in this theater whenever I want to. And then lit another cigarette and was like, roll the fucking movie. And they did. Wow. Because he was a wow. tyrant. I, mean, I tip my hat for asking him to, yeah. I know. That actually wow. was a, that was a bold move. Like, hey, man, could you not smoke in our brand yeah, new? Yeah, you know, he, you know, you knew not to do yeah, that. Yeah, it was a, it was a bold, it was oh. a bold move. But. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go poke this bear and see what. Just, yeah, just see what uh, happens. See what happens. You are a screenwriter and a musician and you've written a musical mm. and you've written books. I feel like you're who I want to be. When I grow up, I um, feel like hmm. that's what I'm trying to do is just to follow. Yet every time you have a book come out, uh, it's like. <laughs> right. I have written my <laughs> first screenplay, though, Thomas. I have written my first the screenplay. first screenplay? Yeah, my first Wait, one. Wait, you wrote it right now. It's done. Is it based sort of on your. Is no. it based on your. Um, it's books? not. No. It's. I feel like oh. I could say it potentially or we can edit it out. So, you know, this brilliant idea of mine won't get stolen. It's a group of suburban moms who mm. decide to join the international hip hop dance championship. <laughs> and it's yeah. called Dance Moms. 
Because my favorite thing in a movie is when like a ragtag group of people get together and learn some kind of choreography, whether that's Sister Act 2 or Bring It On or Pitch Perfect. And uh, yeah, I wrote that. We'll see what happens. You know who loves that in movies? You know who loves that in movies? Who? Everyone. Everyone. Very good idea. Right. Okay, thank you. Thanks. I think it's funny, but the note I got recently is it's a little sweet. The jokes are a little too sweet, which I don't really. really I mean, I think I when, never you're, get that. when you're, I know, when I'm making this much jokes about crazy. vaginas, I didn't know it was too sweet, but they're like, could you edge it up a little bit? And I'm like, oh God, okay. That is so cute. I've never heard that note in my entire life. Right. Like, I don't, they have don't, to tone it down. I'm like, can you tell me exactly yeah. where I need to? Yeah. So we'll see. But what other movies uh, have you written? Here's what's gonna happen. You'll yeah, you edge it up me. a little bit. Yeah. And then they'll be like, oh, you can't you can't. It's a do little this. too much. Yeah, calm down. Like we wish it was sweet and just had heart and it was really cute and sweet, and then we would make it. But you really fucked up by making it so edgy. I know. No matter what happens. Yeah, it's never gonna be right. I know. That always leads to a problem. Yeah. So what was your first movie that got that actually got made the all first? the way through? Okay. This is a weird one. Um, the first movie that we wrote, they changed the title and it came out, um, called let's go to prison with, uh, Will Arnett and Dak Shepard It's like a big movie. Will Arnett um, and, and Dak Shepard. Okay. It was originally called, yeah, yeah. It was called, um, it was directed by Bob Odenkirk. Why do I know that? It was originally called, Bob's on uh, a Breaking Bad. He is better call Saul. Yes, He's yes, Saul yes. Yeah. Um, so Bob directed it. And it was, you know, there's a lot to learn when you start writing movies. Because, like, it was a real small, like, indie movie, like a prison comedy. And then it started, like, Universal tested it a little bit, and they liked it. And they're like, oh, maybe this is a big release, instead of, like, a tiny little, like, indie comedy. So the kind of the worst thing ever happened, which is they got, in the movie Barton Fink, they're like, oh, God, no, the executive has taken an interest in the movie. So they got excited about the movie and like reshot like half of it. Oh, wow. To make it like much bigger and more fun. And it ended up doing really, 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 really badly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was so weird. We, uh, I hadn't sort of seen the, the re-edit of the movie. So we took a bunch of our friends up to Universal Studios to go see it like on the day it opened. And uh, we're like, there was obviously empty theater <laughs> like on a Friday at 7 p.m. There was nobody there. And we're like, wow, this is, it really turned out uh, pretty bad. <laughs> God. And Were you laughing about is, it or was that discouraging? No, 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 not yet. No, it'll be, it was years before we would laugh about it. But, but it's like, you know, that's one of the things about, writing for the studios is, you know, you make it the best that you can. And then sometimes things are going to get changed that you will have absolutely no vote in, you know? Yeah. So you just keep trying to put like your very best version of it forward. But it is interesting if it's a studio. I mean, if you, why don't you, if you, could you make your movie yourself? Um, I wouldn't even know how, to be honest, I Mm -hmm. wouldn't even know how. Um, and mm-hmm. part of the reason I, I don't have an ego about it. So if it's not this movie, then I assume it'll be another one. I just, I really would love to watch the process of making a film from start to finish, like to get to see it all come together, even if that takes years, just feels so cool. Having been and worked on the other side yeah. of it, I would love to watch it. So I'm not also married. Like I finished my first screenplay, definitely not my last one. Um, and I'll just keep Can trying. Dumb, dumb logistical question. Yeah. How many pages is your is your too many? Play? It's 130, and I know it needs to be oh, shorter, but I don't know how. But I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing: like the agents and everyone keeps saying this needs to be shorter, and I'm like, tell me what to cut. I'll kill yeah. my darlings. Like I am not attached. I just don't understand where to cut something out. So I assume that's someone, a really long. Okay. That's super long. I know. Yeah. I know it is, but yeah. I don't. I'll send it to you. You can give me notes. I would love that. It's so funny. People are always like, once you write a lot of screenplays, we actually, uh, my partner and I also wrote a book on screenwriting. Did you really? Wow. 
wow. Yeah, we wrote a book called, we wrote a book called, <laughs> this is fun, it's called Googling Tom Lennon I Live. I know, live, exactly. <laughs> we wrote a, a best-selling screenwriting book, it's called uh, Writing Movies for Fun and Profit, but on the title page, fun and is crossed out. So the, the title of the book is actually Writing Movies for Profit. For Profit. Um, I'm going to get it. I'm yeah. going to get it on Amazon as soon as we are done one. talking. No, you don't. No. Get get those get those revenue dollars. Let's let's make some money. Get the $1.50 that's coming to you. But um, it includes a lot of our like actual horror stories, which if you were at Miramax, I don't know if we can hold a candle to. But we've, you know, we had executives fall asleep during pitches with oh. us. We got notes one time on a movie for like 45 minutes, and then it was very clear the person giving notes had not read it at all. <laughs> it was just like abstractly talking about the idea of this kind of movie. So uh, how so many crazy you, you've been movies. doing this for like how long have you been inside of Hollywood? I hate using air quotes. That sounds inside of Hollywood. But how long have you been actively working, supporting yourself because of Hollywood? That's a great Question. Well, it started with, I was in a, a comedy group in college, mm -hmm. and it's a weird comedy group because if you looked at the faces of the people in my group, we were called The State, uh, and we started as a comedy club at NYU, and then we had a, a TV show on MTV for a bunch of years. So, you know, I'd always, I thought I was going to be like some sort of serious actor. You know, like there's I'd be still like time, a, brother. I mean, I think I thought, hmm, I think I thought I'd be like what what Ethan Hawke actually is. He's pretty cool. <laughs> and I didn't know. Oh, he's so cool. And I didn't know, like, oh, the world doesn't see you like that. <laughs> like the world, you got to figure out what the world sees you like. And I'm like, oh, the world sees me as like goofy, uh, uh, you know, goofy OBGYN. That's much more my myth. <laughs> I'm not going to be the, the, like the sad Ethan Hawke who's like looking out the window of the train. Right. You know, thinking about uh, what happened in Paris. Exactly. So I ended up getting like into comedy very young. And so I was in like a sketch group and we had a show called The State. And then we did another show called Viva Variety on Comedy Central for quite a while. And then a zillion failures in the middle. And then we ended up doing the show that I'm probably best known for, which is Reno 911. Mm-hmm. And how long you was knew that? I, was that, I did. Right? I, to be honest, I well, have. That would be the one thing. I, I feel have, like that would be the only thing. Yeah. No, I definitely know you're on that. If I tell you why I knew your face when they were, because your publicist is, is it Rob or Ron? Yeah, Rob. Okay, mm -hmm. so I met him. Anyway, we were chatting about you when I met him, and um, I knew your, I at least Googled because I was like, I want to know the face because then I'll know whether or not yeah. I'm familiar with this person. And I knew you were funny. So I was like, this is going to be a great interview because I'm just going to have a good time regardless of whatever else happens. Can you guess the movie that I knew? Yes. I, I can guarantee it because yeah. I, because you told me your age, uh, you know me as uncle Ned from 17. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. It, uh, by the way, that movie is so good. It's so good. I just watched it on a plane like three months ago. It still holds, it really up. holds up. It really does. It really holds the up. The relationship between Uncle Ned and the principal right? is the funny. So funny. Still one of my best friends. God. I actually oh, wrote really? when Melora's daughter. Yes, when Melora's daughter applied to NYU, I wrote her uh, her letter. So That's it's so like, cool. It's oh funny because like you don't always stay friends with people on movies. Wait, you said something earlier I want to circle back to because I think it's really interesting. You were talking about the way that you're seen by other people. Oh, that yes. like mm -hmm. you have this vision of what it is that you want to do, but you Absolutely. sort of flowed. You kind of mm -hmm. like went with the flow as opposed to paddling upstream. Do you mm -hmm. feel like that's a, a big part of the success that you've had, that you kind of went with the flow versus trying to force something to happen mm -hmm. that wasn't working? The, the main reason... Uh, like I'm, I'm aware of the reason that I've worked a, a lot, and it's mostly just I, I for the most part never waited for opportunities to happen, ever, really ever, because they mostly don't. So, yeah. um, I've just mostly written my own things. You know, I've had three TV series where I've written it myself. You know, and I think generally it's just like if you don't do it yourself, that's why I'm kind of like saying like why don't you make your movie yourself? Mm. Like, 
eliminate all of the the static, you know, there's a chance you'll lose some money on it. But also, movies are don't need to be as nearly as expensive as they often are. Yeah, that's real. You know, there's movies. So there's there's oftentimes like great movies that people make for a couple hundred thousand dollars. You're like, wow, that was yeah. You know, it depends what you do. Yeah. But waiting around for people to say like, I anoint you as the next person who gets the thing is it just never happens. So it's like. So in making your own opportunity, because we have a ton of mm-hmm. entrepreneurs who listen to the show, dreamers, people sure. who are working on a side mm-hmm. hustle or trying to, you know, do something with their life. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you? You just write something and then you try and figure out how to get your foot in the door or you waited till you had some connections and no, then just being relentless, like kind of early. I mean, if you like doing it, like I'm, I must, you must feel the way that you're doing screenplays now and the way that you've done books that you wouldn't do something else. Yeah. Like you probably wouldn't, you know, even if you, I mean, like yeah, if you have to do something to support until you do that thing you want to do, but like our examples, the examples I sometimes cite is <clears throat> when we were a sketch group at at NYU and we we pitched ourselves to do some sketches for MTV was starting this new show and it was like the 90s. And we just pitched the idea to them of us, our group, doing some sketches for this Jon Stewart show. And they said, no. Because <laughs> we just pitched it out loud and they're like, no, that's okay. And so the option was either like not do anything, but what instead what we did is we went and shot shot and edited completely finished three sketches and gave them to them. And they're like, well, we didn't ask you to do this. And we're like, yeah, well, all right, but take a look at them and see what you think. So <clears throat> from that, it we ended up doing that show with Jon Stewart, which then got us our own show. But speaking of just like, this, this one is sort of my favorite and then we you know always be relentless make your own stuff make your own stuff be relentless but so the book that i wrote that came out the uh, day of uh girl stop apologizing i believe (laughs) really big one i'd written a novel like a young adult funny fantasy novel and uh called ronan boyle and the bridge of riddles it's about a kid who like works with the leprechaun police in ireland and I had a fully finished first draft and I gave it to my book agent, uh, who I'd never met, but, uh, you know, the book agent at my agency. And then we met and had drinks and it was like exciting. And I bought really expensive drinks at the Roger room for this book agent. (laughs) Who then like about like 40 minutes into our meeting was like, yeah, so I read your, I don't, I don't think this is a novel. I don't, if it is, it's not for me. I don't get it. I didn't really care for it. It's like maybe somewhere in the world there's an editor that could figure out how to make a book out of that, but it doesn't feel like it to me. Of course, I did the first thing where I get really mad. Yeah. And I went home and like, obviously, we don't write on paper that like that. But if I could have thrown it in the fire, I would have for sure. Just like <laughs> I was so, so angry and so mad. And <clears throat> I was like, this is crazy. Just to so, understand you were mad at yourself. No, no, no. Oh, uh, you're mad at the, okay. I was mad at the, the world, all of it. Kicking yeah. A, yeah, kicking over garbage cans. This Everything sucks. And I'm, so I was furious. So I'm so mad and I'm going to just throw it away. I'm going to delete like the file since I can't throw it in the fireplace. And then my attorney who had read it said, could I show it to one other book agent? And I was like, I guess, but I'm basically going to walk into the ocean. I'm so sad and mad. <laughs> And then, of course, like three days later, uh, Gillian Flynn's agent had read it and was like, this is my favorite book I've read in a couple of years. Aww. I love it so much. So that book, which went to number two on the New York Times bestseller list, and now there's there's three, uh, three of them in the series, and I'm writing the movie for DreamWorks Animation. Cool. So, but what's so scary, and I think is like a pretty weird thing to keep in mind, is I really came very, very close to quitting it because of one person. Yes, dude, yes. One person telling me they did not like it for me to have, so I almost legitimately just went, and that would have been one person stopping me from writing three novels 
and then a film. <laughs> is it on it? It's so like, real though. It is so real. That, I have a very similar. It was really close to yeah, yeah. I have a really similar story in that the first novel I wrote got turned down by everybody, like any, every publisher in the, the world. Way nobody goes. liked it. Everyone was like, mm -hmm. no one will read this. It was around the time that Fifty Shades of Grey was exploding. And I wrote mm -hmm. a book, I wrote a novel that didn't have any sex in it. And everyone was like, this won't sell. No one will read this. No one's <laughs> interested. And the last publisher said no. And I remember it was a Friday. And I legitimately like hung up with my agent and went in the bathroom and just ugly cried. Like fall mm -hmm. to the floor. My dream mm -hmm. is dead. Because it yeah. was my first thing I had finished. As a writer, I yeah. think we start and stop a thousand projects. And I had always told myself, if you just finish then yes. you'll have a book in your hands. And so yes. when they said no, I was like, my dreams are dead. And literally sobbing, my kid knocks on the bathroom door. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm a loser. And finally, I uh, I had a good cry. And just something from my spirit, a uh, God, an angel, the universe, this idea popped in my head. And I was like, oh, I did the hardest part. I finished. Yes. That's the hardest part. And I, I might not be able to have it published traditionally, but if the goal is to hold a book in my hands, I could have this printed. So I got up off the floor, went into the kitchen and Googled, how do you self-publish a book? And I self-published that book and it became really popular through word of mouth, just on Amazon. Like I didn't even check spelling. I, I did the cover myself <laughs> on word, like on word, I did the cover, but it worked. And I got a call from a publisher who said, Hey, we can see the numbers. We think this is a series. We want to buy the book and yep. turn it into a series. And it launched my publishing career. And if don't I had listened yeah, don't ask for permission. Like you did the hardest no part. You wrote to, the no thing. No one's coming to give permission to you. Oh, no. I freaking love that because I just know that yeah. someone listening to this needed to hear us say that today. No one's coming to give you permission. Oh you already gosh. have it. You have all the permission that you needed. Uh, speaking of not getting permission, mm. uh, where mm. do you find yourself in the process with the musical? Are you close to like performance? Are you well, we writing? Ran, we ran for like uh, the summer in Atlanta. Oh, so it's, it's, oh, it's deep, done. Deep, yeah. It's, I would love to say it's done, but right after I'm done talking to you, I go back to rehearsals for several more hours. Okay. So it's, it's very far along. Okay, cool. And yeah. how do you feel about like it? sooner than later. I, I love it. Good. I'm really enjoying it. Of all the things you've written, is there a particular style of writing or project that you're like, I'm really fucking proud of this. Like this is, I'm proud of this thing. Um, certainly the, the Ronan Boyle novels. I'm really, it, it's nice. And you know, this as a, novelist your books are the closest to your pure thought without any filter as you can really get you know there are things in the books sometimes i feel like my editor is at i'm at, with abrams and i have a really great editor and i always feel like they're going to tell me to like sort of tone things down and scale it back and, and in the book world it actually is almost always the opposite yeah it's like like keep going because in the movie world i already told you even i told you your screenplay is too long <laughs> at 130 pages. i know i know but in the book world everybody's like go crazy describe right everything yeah right what the statue is thinking in the corner you can do that it doesn't matter just keep going say what everyone's thinking and be be specific and long-winded because also heavier books sell for slightly more money which right. is right nice. Right. They're like, we got another dollar fifty coming out of this. Come on. Totally true. My gosh. Is yeah. there anything in this world that you haven't done oh. yet that you still want to do? Um, um you know what? I mean, no. I mean the 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 trick is I there's a lot of people I find, you know, who look at writing and things like that. Like they either have a book or a script or something. And they sort of view it as like a lottery ticket. Like, wow, if this goes, I'm set. Dude, yes. This were to go. And it's like sort of this lottery mentality, which is interesting. And because of uh, working really hard and never asking for permission and being sort of relentless and also picking yourself up when, <clears throat> when you write, you know, 
Kirby fully loaded and let's go to prison and a movie called taxi with Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah. Um, you know, when you write some flop, you better pick yourself back up again. So when you get good at those things and also you just keep sticking around and showing up for the hard work to me, it, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I am living the part of my life where it's like, I, I, I won the lot. I won the lottery. I won. You really did. So yeah. my question now is always like, when when people are, it's like, what would you do if you won the lottery? And it's like, what? Well, it's the exact same things I did before, which is yeah. I write some sketches and try to write a book. That's incredible. I, I'm so glad yeah. you said it too, because I think that a lot that, and it's easy to tell yourself that because you're making up. Uh, you know, you haven't ever lived through it yet. So you're right. like, if this thing does this, if, then, uh, right? It's I all will feel totally different. Yeah, I'll feel different. The answer is you won't. Right. It's all um, gonna. All your shit's still gonna different. be there, even when your paycheck you should, is bigger. You're exactly the same person. Same person. Yeah. It might be a little more complicated. So hopefully, you really like doing the the thing, which yeah. is what I, I do. I think I like. I would write for nobody. Yeah. yeah. Same. And I think I, I have this massive gift in that it took me 15 years of trying before anyone knew my name. And Perfect. all the books that Thanks. failed before, you know, what the press is like, oh, your first book. This is amazing. No, like, And I'm like, girl, this is my sixth book. You just didn't read the other five. But the it's so funny when People, yeah. But it's beautiful. <laughs> You're an overnight sickness. Right. Yeah. But th there's beauty yeah. in that for me because I have no attachment to like, I hope you guys like this book. But if you don't, I also remember when I sold five copies. So I feel anything sort of gravy at this point. I'm not, a, my sense of self is not attached to the success of the work. So as soon as this book, I have to turn in a book at the end of this month. As soon as it's done, I will immediately start writing the next project. Just... I also, I, I feel like there's sometimes just a joy of like what you said before of like the joy of finishing something. Yeah. Like is almost better than it, whether or not it's a hit or a flop. Yeah, to for me. sure. Like the thrill of really feeling like you finished something to me. I mean, obviously it's nice to have hits, of course, but it's not as nice as feeling like you finished something well. You know, Absolutely. And you did your best. More like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which I, I, I don't know if I did with Taxi Taxi with Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon, but let's say that I did. But you did what you did. You also, you know, it all comes out. It all I even finished. out. Yeah, finished you finished. It. This is going to be the dumbest question and we'll perhaps mm -hmm. edit it in a way that makes me sound smarter. But is there anything you'd like to mm -hmm. promote today, Tom? Is there any, are we um, just hanging out? The, the, the really, really like, baller move would be no just like no, yeah. just hanging out just hanging out <laughs> i mean obviously obviously i wrote some books called the series is called ronan boyle um they're like funny young adult books you know sort of in the sort of hitchhiker's guide type cool arena. and then um you can always watch endless reno 911s on paramount plus yeah we just did a christmas movie that was funny it was called it's a wonderful heist all right. Yeah, Reno 911, wonderful heist. And Reno 911, I like to brag that it's a show that you can watch with your dog, and both of you will get the same amount of. You'll depth. both enjoy it. You'll you know, both not, enjoy it. It's not. It's not heavy. It's not heavy lifting. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Uh, are you online? Can people hang out with you? I know that you are, but tell us where we can hang yeah. out with you online. Um, well, this is funny. I, my my Instagram still works, which is Thomas Patrick Lennon. Great. My Twitter got hacked by this company that sells NFTs. No. Like non-fungible tokens. Yeah. <laughs> and because no one works at Twitter anymore, I actually can't get back into it. So <laughs> All right. So um, don't go to your Twitter. I literally Twitter. can't get into my Twitter. It's wow. really cute. But like uh, if you want to read some ads for NFTs. Yeah. Go there. Which I'm not exactly sure what they are, but that that if you could go to my no one is, by the way. No, like even when people explain it, I'm like, are you sure? Still don't get it. I still don't get it. I'm like, so you buy the still art, but it. can you like, can you put the art on your wall? No, man, it just exists. Nope. It no, just you exists, can't. You know? It's like art, but it's also a math problem that right. also only exists in. But no one owns it but me. Cool. <laughs> I don't get it. Someday. Um. Anyway, so. 
You don't need to check out my Twitter page right away Great. so I can get it back under. Yeah. We'll give it a minute. Thank you <laughs> so minute. much for hanging out today. Seriously, I, I'm glad that we did a Google session on who you are and what you're up to. And we had way more in common than I thought. So that's we're going to oh, be friends ton. now. Um, and I'll Venmo you what I pay Dr. Superman, which is, I think, perfect. kind of a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. perfect. That I'll feels just... great. All You're right. on Venmo. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you an invoice. Uh, send me the send me the, the code. Yeah, I will. Uh, Tom, it's been Thanks. real. Thanks for hanging out. Thank Have a fantastic you. time at rehearsals. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, we're all super busy. We have so many things filling up our plate each and every day. And I like to imagine what it would be like if I had an extra hour. Like, what would I do? I like to think that I would be my absolute best self and I would meditate and make sure I'm journaling more. I would do my morning pages. I would really take advantage of that time. But in order to know what to do with your time, you have to understand what your priorities are. And therapy can be a really fantastic way to figure that out. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rach to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash rage.